I'm Greg Dollar Coleman. Welcome to Ellipses Thinking, a podcast dedicated to exploring the nature of the creative journey in process. If an ellipses builds the perfect bridge from where you've both been and are now to where you're next meant to be, then what intrigues me most lives in the spaces between those three tiny dots. From the inception of this podcast and my interest in hosting conversations on creativity in process, my next two guests immediately came to mind. Firstly, in honoring their own unique journeys as singer-songwriters, but also because of my curiosity about creative partnerships and how the special relationship between siblings, in this case sisters as best friends, might inform their process. Over the course of two conversations, I became acutely aware that both Emily and Samantha were more than willing to share in some of the ways in which they have come to see the power of vulnerability as a shaping and maturing force in their artistic careers. Over a number of years, I have had the pleasure to witness them carve out and navigate the complicated relationships that are demanded of artists and their art, and to me, both have demonstrated incredible courage and imagination as they consistently have leaned into their values and authentic selves as artists, as women, as daughters, partners, and sisters, even when it felt incredibly challenging to do so. During our conversations, we had the opportunity to trace from childhood what drew them both to music, the power of finding your community, their ongoing articulation for what success means on a deeply personal level, and how both have been and continue to be in life and through their music, powerful advocates for mental health. Although they currently live 5,000 miles apart in different cities and countries, Samantha in Los Angeles and Emily in Toronto, I so appreciated the candor and ease with which they riffed off of one another, and as we spoke, I couldn't help but feel like I was the guest at a family table that they were well acquainted with. Emily and Samantha Schultz, thank you so much for joining me today. We're so happy to be here. You're such a poet, Greg. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful intro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, but but you know I mean that, Um, and... uh, and 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 it is it's it's such an honor to just just be in the presence of people who are so willing to be human in the world right now. And <laughs> doesn't the world need it? It's a weird time to be alive. Truth. That's for sure. It really is. <laughs> so, having had the pleasure to know you both personally, I know you're deeply connected to family. Um, uh, and you, you, it's come through in lyrics. It's come through in other conversations outside of art. Um, I suspect that you have found many ways to express that. Um, as I was preparing, I was reminded, and Samantha, you may wish me not to remember, but the first song on your first album is called I Am the Daughter. In that which is you reach out and honor boldly, uh, you know, your parents, the lyric, I need your help. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you give me some advice? Later in the same album, Emily's song, in which Mm. you, you again, honor your sister and your friend. So I'd love to just get us started by asking about the sisterhood. And in this case, what it is about the other that most inspires you. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) 
That's a doozy. (laughs) Right. I was like, where do we go from here? How do we start? Well, Em, do you want to go ahead? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting growing up with kind of a built-in best friend. Mm. It's really, it's a, it's a, it's been a luxury that I think um, neither of us have ever really taken for granted, which is really Mm. kind of unique. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I often think about that. And um, as my relationship with my older sister, as it grows and as it changes and as it shifts and as we both become different people and um, it's, it's just been remarkable. It's been so cool to have somebody that you have this shared history with this unique shared history that nobody else in the world will understand. Cause it's just the two of us. Like we don't have any other siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have that unique bond to then also be able to bring that forward. And as we change and as we grow um, to adapt to that, mm. but still know that that is like a core part of who we are personally is really special to know that even though we do live like 5,000 miles away, um, it's it's just, that's something that will always be consistent. Um, so it's been really beautiful, especially like the last, I would say the last five years has just mm-hmm. been, there's been like a, a maturing and like a real gratitude mm-hmm. um, for one another and um, and just a, like a deep understanding of who we are right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it's always been easy, I think, is is a main thing for me that there's we didn't really bicker like you hear some siblings bicker. We never really I don't know. It was very rare for us to fight over petty things or, or small things. Um, just, it was cool having, like you said, I'm the built-in best friend, someone that knew everything about you that understand why you ticked, um, what made you happy, what brought you happiness, um, how to console you in your saddest moments. I think that Em and I, I always love to say, it's one of my favorite things to say, and I'm sorry to all the twins out there, because I know that there's like an actual <laughs> special bond between actual twins but I love to say that Em and I were the twin sisters that we never had and for us to be sisters and then on another level say you know what like we're so similar and we're so interwoven to call us twins like a level up from just sisters I I don't take that lightly because I know that there's so much that Em will only understand as much as we love our husbands as much as we cherish our parents and our friends there are so many different things that um, only Emily will ever really understand the depths of, um, of experiences that I've gone through in my life and vice versa. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I absolutely echoed the fact that like, there's just been this blooming between the two of us, um, where Em has really taken up this torch of really wanting to, um, grow in the most beautiful way. And it's so funny that, you know, like, being the older sibling, there's a lot of expectation put on you to lead and to set example and to, you know, protect. And you're the first one out there on the front lines. But so much of how M has grown in the last five years has inspired me to go and do that growth myself, to find the best versions of myself, to unpack and um, find peace in who I am. So it's just... I don't know. Like we, we've really had a beautiful road and I'm grateful for that. It's, it's not without its like 
moments that we've had, but they haven't lasted mm-hmm. for long. You know, yeah. it, it, they really haven't. So, mm. yeah, it's it's lovely that that moment you get to when you recognize that age is just a thing; it's a number, um, and that the, the the exchange is is just going back and forth mm-hmm. with 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 a reduction of the expectation. Uh, that that, as you say, you can sometimes place on ourselves, uh, as, whether you're in the older or or cast as the mentor or the mm-hmm. teacher or the one with the wisdom. In fact, the wisdom is in and around us, and 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 I love to hear that um, coming That's out beautiful. of coming out of you. So, so take take us back. When when did the music start? I know there's a musical family or an appreciate deep appreciation of that within the fabric. But where did where did the love of the art come and what other uh, what other paths pulled you? Where music came in for me, I loved choir. Um in elementary school, we uh every Tuesday at lunch, I think it was, we got to stay inside. And when winter rolled around, that was really nice. Um, (laughs) But we got to stay inside and practice with the choir. And I loved singing with people. Um, My, my music teacher at the time, and I'm pretty sure she was yours as well. uh, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Gould. She was amazing. Just so supportive. um, Really recognized my love and enthusiasm for music. Um, And I think at the same time, our growing up in our household was, it was just a musical household, not necessarily music instruments being played, but mom and dad really love music. Um, Mm -hmm. Dad would have his regular rotations of CDs that he'd put on in the house. Mom always had the radio playing. If it wasn't in the kitchen, it was in the car. So I think that we really got this vast exposure to music with dad's kind of he would find the most obscure albums that I love today. I love those albums. And actually some of those albums were uh, artists that ended up uh, influencing me very deeply Um, Mm -hmm. paired with mom's love of like current and top 40 music. They love everything and anything in between. So I think that was like a really early uh, musical education that I don't think that we were totally aware that we were getting, but it was Mm -hmm. just kind of our part of our everyday life. So when I think I was about nine or 10, I started taking voice lessons per the recommendation of our elementary school teacher saying, I just think it's something that would benefit her. She's doing a really great job. I think it would be great to push her in a sense. And I found um, an amazing vocal teacher, Erin Gott, who was just fabulous to work with. We still are in touch every now and then, but she just, I think, the common thing that we're going to find with all of the mentors throughout our life uh, musically and even not musically is the safety that I think that we were provided in learning. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that learning can be intense and especially when people recognize that there is potential um, once that uh, learning is achieved for the other side of what could happen. Um, But it was never our teachers, in my opinion, never had an agenda with us. It was always like, we see what you can do. We want you to be excited. We want you to be enthusiastic. How can we make that happen? Um, And that's what Aaron did for me. That's what uh, Mrs. Gould did for me. 
Um, and eventually what my uh, guitar teacher, Rob, would give me, you know. So it was, um, I don't know. Music was just kind of everywhere and it made sense. And when you have a built-in singing partner with your sister where your voice is blend mm-hmm. and they just know each other without needing to try it it just it cultivates something really cool and really natural i think lovely yeah, so singing cute. partner yeah that's uh, that's let's use that as a segue in because emily i remember you saying at the beginning of this question sam you mm-hmm. take this you started this so yeah. share 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 the 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 memory through your lens now from yeah. your perspective and your step in. I mean, it's so interesting. I was doing I was doing martial arts from a really young age, but also taking choir. And Sam kind of um, made the step into the direction of music more seriously when mm. I was maybe like nine or ten. Um, and I was still heavy into Taekwondo at the time. So I always like thought Taekwondo is my thing and like music is Sam's thing. But we spent hours and hours, my aunt and uncle, they, um, they would host these folk jams, um, in their basement mm-hmm. and would invite 30 people we all cram into this little basement. It's so funny thinking about it now in like a post-pandemic world. Uh, like, 30 yeah. people in a basement. Oh, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was magical. It was magic. It was magic. And I remember sitting on the, on the stairs looking out at this sea of people who like none of them were only musicians. None of them were like doing the hustle for music and like trying, like some of them were in a way, but most of them were just there because they loved it. It's just a group of people um, that were getting together to play for the love of playing. Hmm. And um, Sam was obviously very talented at what she was doing and everything that Sam did looking up at her as a younger child is like I think she's the most incredible thing in the world and I just want to I just want to play with her and sing with her and we grew up on road trips singing Dixie Chicks all the mm-hmm. time like that's how we learned how to harmonize my yes. mom taught us and uh just just hours and hours and hours of Dixie Chicks albums so and many. um that in combination with um, with kind of the folk community in Edmonton being able to kind of, and then also seeing my sister, like this is my big sister. She's doing this stuff and I want to sing with her as much as I can on top of the choirs as well. It just kind of developed really naturally in a way. So music for me has always been about community first Mm -hmm. and it still remains to this day to be the time that I'm enjoying performing it most is when I'm doing it with other people. I'm really interested in knowing what you have been discovering of late um, about about your relationship with your industry, and and so you, the human being, the artist, the one with something to share with the world, and perhaps just with a small world, but a world nonetheless, and the needs, the demands, the expectations. To go back to that word, the industry. So how is that tug of war playing out? Oh, gosh. I hate the right now. <laughs> I'm being honest. It's, a hard, it's hard. I it's so interesting. Like I said, I finally pulled the plug and went this past time or this last year to dive into music full time. And I've come to recognize that the industry has just changed so much over the last even two years. 
Like I remember TikTok being a bit of a thing right before the pandemic, but like pandemic hit and it, it exploded. And now that's the only thing that anybody can agree on is pump your music into TikTok because it's such, I don't know, the industry is such a weird thing right now because it's changing so quickly and it makes it a lot easier for people to, for just any random person to, to be seen and to be heard, which is a beautiful tool. It works really well for a lot of people. Um, I think going but, viral doesn't really mean anything anymore because it's so easily yeah. applied to anyone, I think maybe is what you're getting at. Exactly. And so like if all that you're focused on is trying to get views often because that's often even sometimes funding is focused specifically on how many followers or how many streams or how many views that you have, um, how big your following is. Like often you can blow up for one video and then no one will see your next one. So it just kind of feels like a big rat race that nobody really understands how to approach right now. Not nobody, obviously a lot of people have it figured out, but um, I find that that kind of chasing for that as a goal has really, it really diminishes my ability to express myself authentically. Um, and really kind of messes with my relationship to my art if I have that in mind. Because for personally, like my music and my relationship to my music is so therapeutic for me. Like often it's about my own expression and hopefully being able to help other people go through similar things if they listen to the art. Um, but if at the end of the day, if nobody heard it, like I, it would still do something for me because it was a release of energy, but having to keep that in mind of like, this has to be TikTok viral, or I made this beautiful song. Now I have to create all of this content that goes in like posted on this social media site and this thing and make sure I played the game. It, it just kind of, I know there's a game for every industry that you go in, but it's, I find it really hard. It's mm -hmm. really hard to approach. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's difficult too, especially if your community only knows how to speak that language to each other. Um, so it helps having a lot of people to ground me with that. And um, so the question I want to yeah. ask both of you in light of this is how are you currently marking your definition of success? What, what, what does being mm. a successful artist mean to you right now in this moment let the world run around crazy as it is and as fast as it is in a tiktok rage but <laughs> what's your criteria well i mean i frankly that's a great question i feel like i'm asking myself that a lot lately uh so when i moved to la i was very much under the preconceived notion of, oh, okay, so I'm going to book shows and play original music and that's how I'll be able to make my living. That's how I've been gratefully been able to make my living since I was 13. Like that's an amazing part-time job if you're going to look at it in that light that I've been able to have. And I showed up to LA and when the friends that I had here wouldn't come to shows, uh, there was like some 
college drama that carried over where everyone kind of pushed me out of the friend group for a while that I had to like fight my way back into with my own truths that hadn't been heard. Um, I didn't really have a community in LA. Um, so it was, Oh gosh, well, no one wants to hear my original music. I'm really broke. What do I do? Mm. I have my boyfriend and he's amazing, but what do you do with that? You know? So when you, and then when you throw on top of that, needing to adhere to a visa, uh, stipulation of how you can work and where you can work. And I ended up working in uh, a music shop for a Mm -hmm. year, you know? So what happened for me in terms of creativity is that it was very much put on the back burner. I went into full survival mode of like, I just don't have time to make music because Mm -hmm. what would the point be of me getting this visa coming here to LA and I can't even survive the first year that I'm broke, that I'm going to have to go home. Music was just not creating music was not the priority. Um, so then for me, it was like, okay, how can I find music, but still make a living, keep a roof over my head. And that's how I found the performance industries that I've been a part of for the last consistently the last, um, five or six years, uh, where we do like the corporate event band thing. And because mm-hmm. survival was at the forefront, music and creating music and what I had done for so much of my life up until that point was just not something that I could focus on. You know, Em's talking about music being a therapeutic release for her. I was coming home at the end of the day needing just silence because I didn't want to hear music. My brain was tired from music. I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to play. I was really needing to hustle. Um, This city is such a rat race here. Mm. Everyone's trying to go viral. Everyone's trying to do the next flashy thing. Everyone's trying to, you know, get recognized. And it's hard. It's hard um, when you're trying to just create art that means something to you in the moment, not with the purpose of it going viral or becoming a top hit or whatever. So I have only found my way back to creating music in the last three years or so. Um, I think it was back in 2019. (laughs) Can't even remember it now that I released the first song that I had released in nearly almost a decade, like eight years that I hadn't put out music. And I was so excited. I was so excited to create again and it's not a song that I had an agenda with it's not a song that I was like okay this is going to be my comeback song it's whatever I just loved what this song had become in this room in our studio in our apartment figuring it out um that I I remembered my love of of music again Mm. but I think that over time in attempting to release songs since then, I think that I've put out four singles since then. Um, I echo M's sentiments exactly of here. I have this song that I love and I've worked so hard to like put myself into and to have it sound authentic. And now it's like, okay, where's the content? And it becomes about content, content, content. How can you bring people in? How can you keep them satisfied? How can you keep their attention span when it's, like that. And, um, 
I think that deters me a lot from loving creating a lot of the time, especially lately. I've been, I've been Mm -hmm. vetting a lot of stuff and it's, I think for the first time the other day, I was like, I don't know if I'm in love with creating music right now. And I don't think I have been for a long time because there's so much of the expectation in this world, in this day and age, that it's not just about the song anymore. It's about, well, what's your vibe? What's your personality? What's the top 10 things about your aesthetic? What's, what's, your, what's, brand? Your, what's your brand? Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And Putting it gets you smaller in and smaller. Yes. And the, the, you're just being so confined to um, how people think they need to go viral. And I just don't think it's really, I can't say this about everybody because I feel like more than ever, people are finding their authentic selves. I think that it's just hard in a market that is so incredibly saturated now because there's so much easy accessibility to creating, to finding instruments and equipment that can get you on your way to be able to find that authentic self. It's just hard to watch something that you've put so much time and love into hit the internet and watch it die and get washed away with the tide. You know, it's just, it's a little frustrating right now. So I'm like am just trying to write music that I think is therapeutic when I need it. Um, and it doesn't feel stressful in that way. It, it feels like it used to feel when I first started writing music, when I think of it in that sense. Hmm. So that's what a, lo- a lovely way of placing for yourself a, a definition of when you know you're close to home. Mm. And, and I don't mean Edmonton. I don't mean geographic. I mean, close to your heart home yeah. that, 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 that maybe that's a part of that criteria. And maybe as a, the, you know, when I originally asked the question, it was let's articulate what you've, but I'm hearing both of you so willing to be vulnerably in the thick of it um, and, and trying really hard not to fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, even, I mean, I, I'm sure there are those amongst your community who are, are, are feeling the flip side of that, where they're just feeling so beaten down and so distressed by it all. And I, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, so, so vulnerability, the value of, and the power in vulnerability, um, where is that where's that showing up for you in a way that you can leverage it as strength what where where, where yeah just leave that out there that's a cool question that is a cool question um i think that yeah i guess in relation to my own uh own happiness levels kind of a through line for me over the last decade has specifically been about um, about diving into those uncomfortable places and um, working through actively a lot of things that make me unhappy on a daily basis, <laughs> like trying to determine what is the source of that? What's the cause of that? And really not allowing myself to settle until I figure out what it actually is, um, which is hard. It's been definitely uncomfortable, but um, 
to leverage it as strength is really cool because it's kind of allowed me to sit more comfortably in myself mm. um, and to just know that I've, I go to that dark place if, in order to get out through at the other side. You know, it's like it's, you can run away from the storm. The storm will always chase you or you can just go through it and come out the other side. Right. Mm. So um, it's allowed me to to find people in my life who I think see me for who I am and accept me for who I am. But a lot of that requires the strength to stand in my own, on my own two feet and to stand in all of the different facets of what make me a person. Mm. Um, So that's been really beautiful. And also, yeah, I guess with art, being vulnerable like that's how that's how music is it's the core of what music is for me um Mm. like what I mentioned earlier so often I remember going to uh again to theater school and often with musical theater they say okay well they're just feeling such emotional things that they can't speak about it anymore they must sing about it and I remember thinking like okay cool this is an acting exercise I'm gonna burst into song and (laughs) But it's true. It's so true. And it's so funny because like coming from that theater space, um, and I I have used to think of it as just musical theater, but really applying that to my own life, like often there are these huge feelings that I don't know how to sort through mm. until they fall out of me in song. Um, and I think that when I think about the state of the world, it's a really hard place right now. Obviously there's been a lot that's been going on, especially in the last couple of days. And um, I heard someone say recently when I, when we were having a discussion about, about power being like a massive human force, mm. right? Like the desire for power, the desire to take over things. And oh, I was thinking it was like a Jordan Peterson podcast or something like that. But he said, actually love is the most powerful emotion. And what people will do to feel fulfilled and to feel um, to feel loved, hmm. what whatever lengths they'll go to to actually find that sense of well-being um, <sighs> is pretty crazy. So when you think about all these massive things going on in the world and how hard it feels to just be one person and all of that, taking all of that on, um, I think choosing to fight my own battles and to actively go into that space and to feel myself coming out of the other side of a lot of these really hard internal struggles. And then to pour myself into a song about that, if that can help the next person to navigate something that's going on inside them, feel more understood or to be able to express an emotion that they weren't able to feel so that we can get one step closer to loving each other and loving ourselves I think mm-hmm. that that kind of vulnerability offers a lot of strength and a lot of hope and a lot of beauty. Um, so I guess kind of rounding back to what you claim success to be as an artist, I think being able to purge those things in a way that will not only help yourself, but could help somebody else. That is all that I can attach my success to right now. Cause it just feels so, everything feels so big and can feel so impossible. 
especially when you're not natural at it, like making Instagram content and viral TikTok videos. Um, to to know that like, cool, this song changed that person's life. And maybe nobody else will hear it, but I know that that happened. So that feels successful. Yeah. yeah. Love one person at a time or, or add reason to to reconnect with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, Tony uh, Award speech for Hamilton right after uh, you know the atrocities in in the nightclub in in Miami and mm-hmm. and it was just that love is love is love is love is love is love mm-hmm. and it just <laughs> it just is a reminder that's all it is mm-hmm. and uh, and that and that's and that's lovely and you know to your to your credit Emily, I know you have been a strong and vocal advocate for mental health um, for, for, for a long time. And uh, to hear you put so beautifully um, how, well, <laughs> we can't have light without the dark. I mean, it's, it isn't anything, right? It, 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 light isn't anything without the dark. And mm-hmm. the dark is hard. And it's, it's it's unfathomable for 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 so many um, to even wrap their their brains around it. But just as you say, if it's just for one one other person who may feel that ounce of love that I can bring into the light, um, perhaps in this moment that will be enough, mm. and we'll worry about the next moment when the next moment comes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So. Earlier, you shared that as you both rediscover your love of the music, um, you're once again finding the space and desire to get back to writing, or in your words, Emily, to allow the words to fall out with the feelings. So as somebody who loves to play with poetry a bit myself, I would be fascinated to know a little bit more about your songwriting practices and what they look like. Is there a starting place or an environment or routine you look to establish? So what are you finding? yeah, it's been kind of interesting as as the songwriting develops because um, a lot of it does start with poetry. Often, um, often I'll come up with some guitar lick or some kind of chord progression, and um, I actually, my husband and I, we started calling it "Spinning Leaf," which is actually a quote from uh, a Patrick Rothfuss book called "Name of the Wind." It's this whole idea of being able to allow your mind to um, float in the wind, essentially, and go where you need it to go. And often I'll just try to put myself into kind of a meditative state and allow the words to flow through me. And hopefully the uh, the muse speaks. Um, and sometimes I've written songs where I'll write whole verses and have no idea what I'm saying. And then I'll just keep writing and then the narrative will determine itself and then other times um I go in with a little bit more structure and a little bit more um preparation as to what I want to say um but I do think that the poetry is so important to me I think that there's I find it so fascinating being able to try and make something accessible to someone in a way that isn't too over their head or too abstract but then also be able to stretch the boundaries of how people perceive a concept. I just think that that's one of the coolest parts about self-expression. Hmm. Sam, what about you? That was really well said, Em. Um, songwriting's always actually been a really interesting process for me. I am I find it very hard to sit down and make myself write. And I know that a lot of people talk about it's practice, it's flexing a muscle, it's building up that strength, um, getting that repetition in, but 
historically, since I started writing music, it's always been very difficult to just um, to sit down and be like, we're going to write a song today. It never usually happens that way for me. It's it's the same thing. You catch a bit of that melody on the wind you're talking about. And, you know, you you hear it in your head. You're like, that's something interesting or special. The poetry thing, I have pages and pages and pages on my phone of just prose. <laughs> um, a lot of that I wrote, a lot of the recent stuff that I have was um, was me vetting feelings throughout the the initial big chunk of COVID and quarantine. And all that we could do those days was pretty much take a walk outside. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't see anybody. You couldn't do anything. So I got to know my neighborhood really well. And I just remember over the summer, as spring turned into summer and into fall, you saw the seasons changing. You saw all the yards changing that you'd come to know and love. You recognized the streets and all these different seasons. And I I think there's something really, I agree, I'm gorgeous about being able to just to, to describe what could seem everyday and basic in something more, in a way that is more beautiful and thought-provoking and, and deeper, if you would. Um, I really love just, I have so many little tidbits on my phone mm. of just random stuff, but I think those are the most accurate and regular um, ways that I'm practicing songwriting is through poetry. Yeah. And you've both referenced the fact that you have partners in the sandbox that, that you, mm. you know, <laughs> Sam, you talked about, you know, just getting back to the studio in your home. And I know that Emily, that, that exists for you and Jordan as well. So mm -hmm. what, what, what does that part of the, you know, what do you, do you work independently and then come together and test things out or, or is it different for different songs? I'm just curious about the collaborative conversation or dialogue that, it, that, that you have the unique experience of with, with your own life partners being musicians mm. as well. Yeah. Honestly, I find it quite difficult sometimes. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's tricky because I think we both have our own, um, we have our own ideas and our own sounds and our own um, own wavelengths often and our own processes too. Um, so that can be tricky to navigate, but when it hits, it's so fun. It's so fun. One of my favorite collaborative experiences I ever had with Jordan was um, – we just wrote a song kind of from scratch and he heard this, I started coming up with this, this, uh, I wrote like the first verse of this song and he started hearing a production in his mind and started building the production as I was continuing to write the song. And then the, it just took its own shape and we were able to run with that momentum together, which I think is an extremely privileged um, thing to be able to have not only the equipment, but then to be able to have that kind of energy being spun with somebody that you share, not just artistic collaboration with. It's really special when it does land for sure. Yeah. And I think as I hearing you say, you can't force that either, right? He may very yeah. well have had a production in his mind that was totally on a different track. And, and, and it sounds like you've got the way to be able to, to maintain your lanes. And when the lanes merge, mm -hmm. isn't it beautiful? What about okay. you, Sam? 
You know, it's interesting because I think that with Trey being um, a musician, um, I I feel that I bring to the table the song. And as of late, he's having more and more contribution to um, to the shape of it, which is really cool because that really wasn't um, in existence, that type of collaboration early on in our relationship. Our relationship grew in a performance setting. Um, so Trey has always been able to contribute in this really gorgeous way of just embellishing and making these live performances that we would have together and do have together so much better, so much bigger, so much more, uh, I don't know, the, the detail that he's able to add in as a percussionist is really, really cool to say the very least. Um, but these days when I write songs, I'm finding that he's, and I think that's just over time, he's more comfortable chiming in being like, oh, I love this new song. This is amazing. What if you did it like this? What if you did it like this? And I think that comfort level of being together for, gosh, it's going to be 10 years in October, which is insane to think about. We met each other in college and here we are all these years later. Um, I just think that comfort level is an automatic thing that you eventually fall into when you have somebody who's so deeply interwoven with your musical experiences, with big life experiences. Um, it's bound to happen, the input. But I know that where we really shine is is the live um, the live collaboration aspect. And But that being said, I'm really looking forward to having more input from him. It's really cool to see that side of him grow and blossom. And actually a song of mine out of my head um, that I released in 2020 now. Oh my gosh, time is flying. Um, that song was originally a love song. And when I played it for him, he said, "I okay, I really love the vibe of it, but what would happen if you wrote it from a, a breakup standpoint? Like you're fed up with someone. And I went... Hmm. And it just completely changed the whole song to be what it is today lyrically. So yeah, it's it's neat. Like you said, and when it happens and when it clicks and when it works, it's super, super cool. Other times you have vastly different opinions on how you should execute a song. <laughs> right. Like a life relationship. Yes. So exactly. you know, as as somebody who shares the joy that you have of having spent time with my life partner in a similar sandbox. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just, I, I think you are so both so very lucky to, to be there. So mm -hmm. Emily, from one of your, one of your newest songs um, mm -hmm. entitled felt you mm -hmm. write, I often say the quiet parts out loud. I waver in the space between my doubts. I recognize the only way out is out and through the storm. I often say the quiet parts out loud I waver in the space between my doubts I recognize the only way is out And through the storm mm -hmm. And then your song Pines opens with Let us walk among the pines And they can teach us now to be old Heavy heart and heavy mind, let the clean air make you bold. And the song ends with the second invitation to a fellow traveler, come and walk with me a while, sing a song I've never heard. When you falter, when you cry, I'll remind you of the words 
but I'll hold you first. So you've spoken to me before about how music is for you the truest form of expression and expressing your emotional life and experience. And I sense you're genuinely working through some hard stuff in these words. And yet there's something so simple and pure in the desire to walk surrounded by the healing power of nature, mm -hmm. both cosmic or universal in a deeply intimate manner. So what are these words bringing forth from your heart? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I guess uh, speaking about felt, the I, I waver in the space between my doubts. I recognize the only way is out and through the storm. Often I feel like kind of a through line of my 20s so far has been recognizing that there's some hard stuff that you have to deal with and you can run away from it for only so long um but ultimately there are things that you just have to face it doesn't make it any easier but <laughs> it's uh yeah i think that's kind of i, I just i think that Every day, the people go through hard things, and the world is difficult and it's tricky, but it's also beautiful. Mm. Like there's so much light and dark um, in the world, and from person to person, place to place, that that darkness is inevitable. But it you can face it with people, and with beautiful things, and in beautiful places, and I think reminding myself through my art to be able to acknowledge that that stuff exists. I think that that's really important. I think that there is such a thing as toxic positivity as much as there is, a, mm -hmm. you know, as being a negative Nancy all the time. I think mm -hmm. just pretending that negative things don't happen is just as bad in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important and necessary for us to deal with those difficult things and process them and feel them all the way through, but you don't have to do that by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that I've recognized is, is just the power of my community and the, the power of taking a breath or being able to stop and look at a tree waving back and forth in the wind. Um, I found a lot of, uh, a lot of solace in nature especially living in, you know, my little concrete box in, uh, in the concrete city of Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I guess in a way, the music for me is a way to navigate my life um, and the ups and downs of it, but also a touchstone for all of the beauty that's there yeah. as well. And I'm, and I'm glad you say what you say about... Um, about your connection to nature because uh, so often um, uh, so often it comes up in the lyrics, right? I mean, even even just just the grass under your feet is is acknowledged in that sense of of I feel it, I'm alive, and I'm doing as I'm doing, well or not well, but I'm doing as I'm doing in that that acknowledgement. And and Sam, I know you know you've referenced. Uh, in our conversation and in some of your music, but but that sense of feeling stuck and at times a bit lost in knowing where to find the inspiration. Um, mm -hmm. And then in the midst of the pandemic, uh, not to mention the noise of our chaotic world, you release a number of singles, mm. including two beautiful and I sense personal songs of hope and resilience, The Quiet 
and together alone. And I wonder if I can just pull a few lyrics as well for you to hear. In the first, the quiet, the character sings, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I've got this. It's the weight of the pain of the world that's killing me. And if I'm being honest, I don't know how I'm going to stop this, but a little love from you could set me free. The quiet with you is all I need. And in the second you sing, we all want peace in the unknown, together alone. I live these days with a heavy heart, with the world at war, I fall apart. Fires burn and the people grieve. How'd it get so hard to breathe? the beauty we all need to set our saddened spirits free when all we see are tragic flaws we push away and we withdraw when days pass by with hours long forget we can't be strong with clashing bashing on tv confused about what to believe see all i know is we need love to help us through to rise above the weight of being on our own we all want peace in the unknown Together Alone You were able to capture this very real sense of the hurting world so beautifully and, and then find the light and hope in its offer through these songs. So Perhaps it's unfair of me to assume that these two songs that came one after the other have come from a similar pool, but I can't help but feel that they're companions to each other in their way. As singles, they stand together alone. Am I way off? Not at all, actually. Um, The Quiet was written in, um, I want to say, beginning of April 2020, when things were really starting to hit the fan and... And we were just all kind of collectively realizing that this is a powder keg right now. And and things are about to blow up in a way that we don't, I don't think that we're, we're ready for. Um, and so after weeks of not only this terrifying disease sweeping through, but seeing here in the States, a lot of the uh, unrest of racial inequality coming to a massive head. Um, something that I I really believe in um, is racial equality. I mean, equality of, of so many different kinds. But since I moved to America, that's been something that has been very um, near and dear to my heart of learning about more, understanding more, fighting for more. And after a few years 
having these shootings of various people of color in succession, it was a lot when George Floyd eventually was killed. And um, it was just too much to understand. And especially, I'm I'm obviously not Black, you know? So I didn't even feel the weight of what the Black community has felt over and over and over again, and especially in this moment of George's killing being broadcast all over America, all over the globe. I, I will never know the weight that that carries every single time that it happens. So if I was feeling what I was feeling in those moments, I can't imagine what these communities were going through for the millionth time. Um, and it was a moment where I was writing this song and not really knowing what I was writing about, but the words just, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I've got this. This is all huge and massive and big, big, big emotion for humans to be able to process right now. It's just too much. Like, what else can I say? But like, I'm not good right now. I don't think any of us are good right now. And it was just a way of of trying to process what we were all going through, what I was personally going through, what my partner was going through, the feeling of not being able to freely cross the border and see my family. It was a really weird time, to say the very least. Um, So that was kind of my self-soothing song that for me, it comes back to love and and (laughs) why can't we find the space for love right now? Why, why are we still dealing in this day and age with looking at somebody who looks different than you and going, oh, you're the bad guy? I just don't understand that. <laughs> I just don't understand. Um, so for me, it was a song about reminding ourselves to find that peace if we can and remember that love is the solution to so many different things. And admitting that right now, if you're not okay, that's so okay. Um, so that was kind of part one with everything. I had a dear friend of mine, um, Chris Thigpen, who's originally from Chicago. Um, and he had reached out to me. He said, you know, we had had lunch earlier that week. And he said, I know you were, uh, honest with me and how you've been feeling lately, how it just feels like a lot. There's a song that I've been wanting to put out of what it's like, um, from a musician's perspective of what's happening in the world right now. And I have these ideas and I'd love to bring you in to collaborate. This is the first song that we ever wrote together. Um, and it very much became the sister song to the quiet. You know, it was kind of the quiet was that introspective. I'm just trying to figure this out. I'm trying to process whatever I'm feeling in such a chaotic time. Um, whereas together alone was more about the collective of what we're all going through right now. We're all feeling alone together in this moment. And it's, it's what a strange feeling to be a part of community, but not at the same time. Um, yeah, it was, it's funny how it all played out, but that line specifically, we all want peace in the unknown. It's true. You know, my whole life I've, I've worried about what am I going to do and where am I going to be? And, oh, I need to do this by this age. And, to be honest with you, and before we started recording, I was sharing the fact that I, I'm honestly laying low right now. I'm I'm very much in a season of my life where I'm just 
I'm trying to figure it out and whatever that direction may be, great. But at the moment, it's unknown and I'm trying to be okay with that. I'm really, really trying to be okay with that. And I I get stressed out sometimes <laughs> thinking about it. Like is is music it? Is family it? Is starting a whole new life of of the traditional sense it? I'm not really sure right now um, where I'm at. But I think that searching for that peace and being like every every part of your life is a season. I'm going to find somewhere, some direction or some path eventually. So that's okay. I'm just rolling with the punches right now. I was actually talking to my therapist the other week and she said, no one ever arrives, ever. That even if you feel that you've gotten everything figured out, you've you've checked everything off your list, there's going to be something else that comes along that shakes you up and makes you go, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to figure it out. I need to figure it out. So I don't know. I it's it's funny we're talking about the wind and you're you know being that leaf. I very much feel that way and some days are much more breezy and beautiful than the other tornado tornado driven chaotic days, yeah. but I'm just I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to uh appreciate the slow quiet moments that you're talking about. Being able to appreciate the beauty in every small moment. What a beautiful segue. Um, I, I just wanted to share with with you a quote, actually, my, one of my newest favorite quotes by a philosopher, Wei, Wu Wei. And it's almost like he captured it there, Sam. I mean, he says, to slow down, to, to slow time down, practice enjoying the moment. It is where we spend our entire lives. Mm. You know, so again, I... I <laughs> The, the word that jumped out from what I heard you say a moment ago, Sam, in reference to, you know, the work you're doing, um, I, I need to figure it out. I wonder as you slow things down, if need to figure it out gets to shift to, I get to figure it out on my own time, in my own way, with my own people and with my, and through my art. And what an exciting prospect. It just takes yeah. away so much of... The expectation of what I feel I've been personally dealing with my whole life of I need to meet this bar, I need to live up to this expectation, I need to not let people down. And and when you're living for other people, you know, you know, my whole thing of the last four or five years has been identity. Who am I? Who am I? What do I love? What do I want to do? What brings me joy? Who do I love? Who do I love deeply? I I'm just you know, some people would call it aimless right now, I guess, but I'm really okay with just trying to do it on my own time. It's so mm -hmm. true. You can't change the things in the past. You can't change or expect anything that's going to happen in the future. All we truly do have is the current moment we are living in. Well mm -hmm. said, Greg. Well, it wasn't me. Well saying it. You said it. I referenced an, an, another <laughs> person saying it, but but you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's what we're learning now that will inform wherever and whatever happens next. I know I could sit here and talk with the two of you for ever. I <laughs> but I but I'm looking at the clock and I and I want to I want to come back to um a question or I want to drop into a question that I've been asking a number of people at the ends of these conversations and to see where that goes. So the question is if you could be witness to 
what perhaps a, a, a grandchild or someone of that age were, were, were that not to be a part of your uh, future, but but if that grandchild were telling their grandchild about you, what three words? What three words do you want or hope they would share? Ooh. Oh my gosh. What a great question. Oh. So like generations removed from now, just like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I would, oh, I would hope brave. That's what I was thinking of. And like, I don't know if <laughs> maybe it, I want to put like unconventionally brave, but like we're going to turn into an essay there at that point. Yeah. Brave. I think, I think, um, curious. Mm, that's a good one for you. And loving. Um, I don't know if brave is the exact term I want to use. Maybe more resilient. Because um, there are times where I don't feel brave and I'm just mm -hmm. like needing to keep on keeping on. And um, maybe that's just me downplaying myself. But uh, I think resilient would be an important one for me. Um, I think another would be, gosh, this is so, I think loyal is a good one. Mm. Um, the people that I really truly care for, um, there's no question. Whatever you need, whatever, you know, we, we might not have spoken in weeks or months, but if you're in a position where like you need someone and you need support, like I got you for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and the third, the word willing comes to mind. It's mm, beautiful. Um, I think there's a, a lot that I'm trying to figure out in my life right now, having turned 30 this year and feeling kind of like a whole slew of expectations societally or personally or whatever and um I, I'm not who I was three years ago five years ago ten absolutely not the same person I was 10 years ago and I'm really proud of that I'm uh I think for the better um and I think that needs to start from a place of being willing to be open to change, to be open to roll with whatever. And sometimes, like Em said really beautifully, it's it's about going through those dark places in order for there to be light in your life. And um, I feel like there's a lot more light in my life, and maybe not dark, but it's it's a uh, it's shadow. It's not complete dark at this point. 
Um, so willing is, I think, another one for me. Can I change my first word? Change Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Upgrade. The, bra- the brave thing, I'm like, well, that's subjective. I uh, would hope that they would remember me as being very silly. Yeah. Mm. I want the play. I want the play there. Yeah. That's I really important to me. Ah, that's lovely. Okay. So because I'm because I'm sitting with two, not one, I get to ask the question again. So I'm just going to re-ask it. But this time it sounds like this. Many years from now, if you found yourself writing the story of your sister's life, what word would you choose to best capture each other? Ooh, that's such a good question. A single word? One word. Mm. It's so hard. It's so hard. How do you how do you filter this entire person down to one thing? <laughs> um, um. Oh, this no, that's tricky. I just have the words that we were just saying. I know, like, under my mind. I'm like, is it the one of the ones she chose for herself? <laughs> hmm. um, See the words and grab one. Something's out there. I think determined, maybe determined. Like you have such a beautiful way to like, once you decide on something, you make it happen for yourself. Mm. And even if you might not be ready for something, it's still something that you actively work towards. Um. Yeah, like just, it's never been an issue for you. It's always just been something that like, cool, this is the decision. Going to make it happen. And yeah, I think that's been a really consistent through line. Nice. Determined. (sighs) There's just so many options. Uh, I think the word that comes to my mind for you, Em, is free. That you, ever since you were a child, you have had your own path that you've wanted to follow, that you will go wherever you need to go to feel fulfilled. And I think that has a lot to do with the willingness to be free. Um, to, to not be confined by what you think should be the expectations that might be upon you. And even though I know you deal with your versions of that, for me, I feel like every time I speak to you in whatever capacity, if we're just catching up or if it's one of our deeper, more meaningful vetting conversations, I always walk away from those conversations with you feeling lighter feeling um, reassured, feeling um, safe. I don't know. There's just something really gorgeous about the way that you've moved through your life, whether you knew it or not, that you're just like, I'm open to everything and everything and I'm here to do life. And I just think that's a beautiful way that you've been able to convey that you've been, you feel free to do so much. 
really kind of him. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> so as I'm watching, because I have the benefit of watching, looking in at this window, and the people listening to this won't have that, I have to tell you that it was like watching two sisters at the Christmas tree with the last present, and that you've just given that present to each other in the most beautiful way. And more than that, you have received the present beautifully. And to those listeners, I invite this moment to be an inspiration for you. If you have a sibling, if you have somebody that is like a sibling, but somebody that you haven't shared that word with, I hope you will this week, maybe today. Because as these two young people have shared with us all, um, all we have is this love of this moment. And as crazy as the world may be and feel, we still have this. Mm. And I thank you both so much for your hearts and your souls and your sisterhood and sharing that with me and by extension with anybody else who might like to drop in on this chat today. Oh my gosh, thank it's been our us. pleasure. This has been so beautiful. And thank you for such a, a gorgeous, thought-provoking hour. It's been lovely. Mm -hmm. Ellipses Thinking is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It is produced by Jordan Dowler-Coltman and Greg Dowler-Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over 10,000 years, their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space. <laughs>